Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Phil is a Renaissance man who's been unemployed for a decade. Each time I speak with him, Phil tells me excitedly about some new career path. One time it's writing a novel, another time starting a software company, another time beginning a business as a personal trainer. It never seems to faze him that all of his previous projects have been unsuccessful. I've watched him with astonishment. Were I in his position, 10 years without steady employment, as dream after dream didn't pan out, I imagine I'd feel exasperation self-doubt and despair. And yet, here he is, raring to go on some new endeavor. I once asked him, how do you do it? How do you continue to be hopeful when plan after plan has just stagnated? Phil replied, if I only worried about whether I was going to be successful, I would never start another project. I'm excited about this because it's the right thing for me. My rabbinical school course on Genesis has spent many weeks now discussing the story of Abraham from every conceivable angle, most of which circle back to one idea. Abraham was a seriously brave fellow. I've been drawn to the story of Abraham in the Bible since I chanted Genesis 16 at my bat mitzvah. To recap the story, Abraham and Sarah are an elderly couple living in Mesopotamia and have been unable to have children. With no preamble, Abraham, though at this point he's called Avram, he gets a divine name change later, Avram is called by God to begin a journey. We encounter our hero at the turning point in his life. God calls to Avram and says, Go forth from your homeland, from your kindred, from the house of your father, to the land that I will show you. And without a word of response, Avram goes. I'm amazed by Avram's courage. He leaves everything he's ever known to start a new nation. And the story makes it seem simple, but I can't imagine it was. I've often asked myself, what made him get up and go? What does it take for any person to take those brave steps on a new path? What does it take to give a person that kind of courage? Avram was given a promise of success straight from God. And I will make of you a great nation, I will bless you, and I will make your name great. How sweet would that be to get a promise of success straight from heaven to say we're going to get a happy ending to our story. 
We don't usually get that kind of security. And yet, we take risks. We leave our homelands, we leave our comfort zones, we take our stands with no guarantees. We take risks despite the voices telling us that we can't, or we shouldn't, or we're not ready. More often than not, those voices are our own. So how do we have the courage to act? How do we have hope when the situation looks grim, the fight unwinnable, our own self-criticism too loud? How do we have hope? I want to share with you a teaching that changed the way I think about hope. It begins, hope is a state of mind, not of the world. These are the words of the late Václav Havel, a Czech political dissident and playwright who was imprisoned for many years before he became the first president of the Czech Republic. Hope is a state of mind, not of the world. He continues, hope in this deep and powerful sense is not the same thing as joy that things are going well or willingness to invest in enterprises that are obviously heading for success, but rather an ability to work for something because it is good. Hope, he concludes, is definitely not the same thing as optimism. It's not the conviction that something will turn out well, but the certainty that something makes sense regardless of how it turns out. If we actually lived this, if we actually worked for something just because it is right, we could free ourselves from the paralysis of an uncertain future, from the self-judgments of whether we think we're qualified or ready to act. We could work for something because it is good, period. Here's a small personal example. I'm the kind of person who can give up quickly if it looks like I'm not going to be successful at something. I love singing and playing music, but my music theory and technical chops just have huge gaps in them. You may have seen me singing up at the chancel during the last year, but for a long time I despaired at ever pursuing music. There were so many stories I told myself about why I'd never make it as a musician. I don't have enough time. I don't progress quickly enough when I practice, so it's just not worth it to practice. I'm not nearly as talented as my friends are. I'll never be good enough. Do any of these sound familiar to you? With gentle encouragement over the last year, I've begun to tell myself, step away from the outcomes. You need to make music because it's what makes sense for your soul. I have hope because I know this is what's right for me. I have been set free. But what if, like our Renaissance man Phil, our paths hit dead end after dead end? How can we deal with that hurt and continue to have enough hope to keep going on the journey? 
My dear friend Julie and I were catching up over a cup of coffee, and I asked her how things were going in her new relationship. Things are really great, Julie says. My partner and I can talk for hours about important things. We make each other laugh. Like that. And we really support each other. I'm happy. That's great, I replied. I love seeing you so happy and hopeful. At the word hopeful, a dark cloud settled over Julie's features. I didn't say hopeful, she said, in a sad but resigned voice. Every relationship I've ever had has ended in heartbreak. How can I believe this one's going to end any differently? I've always wanted to settle down with a partner and have a family, but every time I felt optimistic about my future, I get hurt. How can I possibly be hopeful about this relationship? My heart ached to hear her. I knew Julie's questions about having hope were rhetorical, but I yearned to respond with the words of Howard Zinn. I know a radical historian is not usually the person one associates with relationship advice, but there he was. Zinn wrote, is an optimist necessarily a blithe, slightly sappy whistler in the dark of our time? I am totally confident not that the world will get better, but that only confidence can prevent people from giving up the game before all the cards have been played. The metaphor is deliberate. Life is a gamble. To play, to act, is to create at least the possibility of changing the world. Zinn may have intended this teaching to move us to take political stands and to act to change the world, to be willing to devote ourselves to the prospect that a better world can be realized. Is our willingness to devote ourselves to the prospect of love really any different? Giving our heart to love and hope after heartbreak can be terrifying. It's a bold risk to choose hope, to create the possibility that we may change our own lives, let alone change the world. And yet, without taking that risk, we're condemned to stay exactly where we are. Julie, I said, in your bravery, in your willingness to give this relationship a try at all, you already have hope. Hope isn't being unafraid, and it isn't being sure that something's going to succeed. I see you doing what is right for you, regardless of how this relationship may turn out. That's hope. All it takes for you to keep hope is not to give up the game before all the cards have been played. And the cards never stop being played. Life coach Maria Nemeth encourages her students to take an index card and write the following words at the top. Nevertheless, I am willing. She writes, I am willing is the most potent statement you can ever make. It signifies that right here and right now, you're ready to go ahead without being forced. 
You are voluntarily participating, no longer being dragged onto your life path, leaving heel marks in the dirt. Namath continues, here's where the nevertheless comes in. Nevertheless means despite a situation or circumstance or regardless of how it turns out. To put nevertheless in front of I am willing means that even with the usual limiting internal chatter going on in my head that tells me to turn back, to wait a while, to retreat, I am saying yes to my life's adventure. I am willing. In a famous dialogue with Bill Moyers, mythologist Joseph Campbell told a story about King Arthur's knights searching for the Holy Grail. The Grail was hidden in the middle of a dark forest, and each knight had to enter the forest in the darkest place for him. The reason for this was simple, Campbell said. If you could see a path in front of you, it wasn't your path but that of someone who had gone before you. Each of us is on our own hero's journey. When we say yes to our journey, we're taking steps every bit as courageous as those knights who entered the forest in search of the Holy Grail, and as brave as Avram as he uproots himself from his homeland. We put one foot in front of the other, not knowing what the path ahead is going to look like, but going anyway. No more standing at the outskirts, waiting for our trail to show up. Let's return back to Avram and his journey. God promises to bless Avram's future, his progeny, and his mission. But before we have that promise, we have a command for Avram to go, to go forth from his homeland, in Hebrew, that command is lech lecha. Lech lecha is actually kind of an interesting grammatical anomaly. God could have just said, lech, go. But instead, God adds lecha. It's this extra prepositional phrase that can be translated as go toward yourself or go for yourself. Perhaps Avram wasn't taking these brave first steps because God had assured him his mission would be successful. Perhaps Avram was leaving all he had ever known because he was certain that the journey was right for him, regardless of how it turned out. Regardless of how it might turn out for Julie, what if she were to say, nevertheless, I am willing to love and nevertheless, I'm willing to have a future with my partner. Regardless of whether his projects make any money, what if Phil were to say, nevertheless, I'm willing to be a successful entrepreneur? What adventure is waiting for you to say, nevertheless, I am willing? Here and now, this is my wish for us. May we have the courage to leave behind the familiar excuses and insecurities, to go toward our truer selves, to go for our truer selves. May we shed our fixation on success and take the leap to act solely 
because we know it is right. May we be patient and persistent, never giving up the game before all the cards have been played. May we acknowledge our fears and say, nevertheless, I am willing. Take courage, friends. Have hope.